Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus, built with the zero landfill promise. All waste is recycled or reused with more at PrestigeSubaru.com. Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, an award-winning tour showcasing Asheville's spectacular rooftop views and fascinating city history. Enjoy handcrafted drinks and delicious food with reserved seating and transportation included. Visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com and by RomanticAsheville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, and on all your favorite podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app, Buzzsprout, Pandora, and Amazon. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club, You'll receive travel news, helpful tips, and links to stories from parents who are choosing to raise a new generation who know how to be at ease in other cultures and live and coexist with each other while nurturing creativity and empathy. My guest today is Stephanie Carol Carson. She's the co-owner of Gypsy Circus Cider Company and runs a restaurant and an event space and her own video production company. She's won numerous awards, including two Emmy Awards, and she's a wife and a mom of two beautiful daughters, and Stephanie loves to travel. And Stephanie, it's so great to catch up with you again. Oh, you too. This has been great. Well, Stephanie, you and I have known each other for a long time now, and we've been I've been following you for quite some time with your kids as they've grown up traveling. You're just, you and your husband are, are those parents, the ones who have made this a, a priority with your girls. And why don't you give us a little backstory on how you're able to juggle all these balls and, and yet take these kids and do some really, really fun things. Yeah. You know, I think we have a philosophy of, um, of working to live, not living to work. And, you know, we start from that place. We both had corporate jobs uh, where we were certainly kind of slaves to someone else's schedule. Um, definitely myself more than him, because when I worked at CBS News, that was before COVID and when they were telling all of us producers that we had to be in the newsroom to produce a show. So there was no flexibility in my job whatsoever. He had a little bit more in consulting, um, but it just wasn't exactly where we wanted to be. You know, the, the concept of, you know, having this fabulous event that we could do or go to 
but we can't go because I have to ask off work and I can't get off work. And, um, and so, you know, we moved to Asheville and um, very much began trying to manifest, which is a very Asheville word, um, you know, the solution of, of having some kind of, of, of having some kind of flexible job. Um, and so, you know, it started from there and, um, you know, we love to travel, you know, the girls, we were traveling when we were dating, when we got married, you know, and then, so the girls, it was like, I, I mean, our oldest daughter was five weeks old when she went on her first trip abroad to Europe. And it was because Aaron had a business trip in Amsterdam. And I was like, there's no way in heck I'm gonna let you go when I'm off work anyway. Um, and so at two weeks old, we were in the Philadelphia post office getting her passport picture taken. Um, and they, of course it's Philly, right? So there's no forgiveness. So the guy was like, you have to, um, she has to sit up on a stool. And I just looked at him like, I, you, there's, have you had a newborn? So I held her up on the stool like a puppet. I put my hand underneath her onesie and, um, and there it went. So she went to five countries uh, by the time she was seven weeks old. <laughs> that is amazing. Why don't you give us a, a little idea of how old she is today? She's 13 now. Wow. So. That is amazing, Stephanie. That's So let's just fill in the 13 years. You had another child after that. Yes. Yeah. We had another child, Aubrey, um, and Aubrey was our hitchhiker. We, um, as we were preparing to move to Asheville, we were, um, we had rented our house out in Philadelphia. Our house in Asheville wasn't ready. And so we were kind of homeless for six weeks and had this 18 month old at that point with the lease. And so we did what any responsible family would do. We went and backpacked around Thailand with the lease. Um, and four days before we were leaving for Thailand, I thought, you know, I feel kind of funny. And um, I was pregnant with Aubrey. So Aubrey was our hitchhiker that went around Southeast Asia with us. And so now, now we have the two and uh, we traveled with them. Um, you know, I, when they were two and four, we took them to Brazil. And at that point, it was a good gut check for us that we needed to take a few year break of international travel because it was it was not as much fun for that brief period of time. And um, it was super stressful and there was a lot of money being spent for it to be so stressful. Uh, and so then we revisited the international travel part of it. Um, when they were six and eight, we took them to Europe because Aaron had a business trip. So we were kind of piggybacking off of that. Um, and, and there it started again, you know, and to this day, if you ask our oldest daughter, you know, what she wants to do, what language does she want to learn? She wants to learn French because she spent a week in Paris being able to do that. And because of the nature of the business trip, and I had been to Paris before, so I didn't have to check all those obligatory boxes. We, you know, stayed in an apartment and went grocery shopping and made dinner and went to parks and played. And OPS accidentally met Natalie Portman. That's a separate story in a park. Um, but it really, you know, made an impression and started kind of laying the groundwork for life expectations. Uh, and I think for us, that's what it's about, is that these girls are being raised in an environment that um, you question why not. You know, how can we do this? Not telling yourself immediately, this, there's no way we can do this. Well, I would imagine, too, that having those experiences, especially in this, you know, becoming a teenager is hard enough, just with everything that's going on hormonally and and socially in those social circles, and being able to be in other cultures and recognize that all children are not the same, that all cultures and traditions are not the same. What I had mentioned earlier, nurturing that creativity and empathy seems to be something that I'm hearing you say is is happening with your own children. 
Yeah, we're certainly trying that. And this summer we took them to Ecuador and probably in, in their memory, that is the most, uh, you know, there's parts of Ecuador there that are still very impoverished. You know, there it, it, it's still parts that are third world. There's a huge expat community there and there's certainly ways to live there well, which is a whole other show. But, uh, but yeah, they witnessed poverty. Um, they witnessed, I mean, all the dingoes, the dogs that run around South America. Um, and our youngest is a huge bleeding heart and would not rest when we got there until she could feed the dogs. So almost every day we would go buy a pack of hot dogs. And that's how we would walk around the cities because that, that's the only way Aubrey was going to be able to function and be okay with it. And for you to be tuned in that this is okay uh, she needs to feed the dogs versus, you know, she needs to get to level 10 on the Mario series or something right. that other kids her age are doing right now when they're in a more traditional sense. And for you and your husband, what is it like? Uh, traveling can be so seat of your pants. You know, sometimes things just kind of happen. Uh, how are you with dealing with both the girls when you find that there are like, whoa, we're at a roadblock right here. Where do we go from here and not freak them out? Um, you know, I think now at the ages they are 11 and 13, we're just real with them. I mean, they knew this trip this summer was was intentionally fly by the seat of our pants. Um, it ended, I'm giving the end of the story before the beginning, but um, we were all packed to go to come home from Ecuador to the United States after being there with, for a month and it looked like the Clampets. I mean, we did try to pack light. Uh, we need to try harder next time. But on top of that, we had accumulated things, including 100 pounds of cacao shells or cacao nibs. But, um, but we got to the airport at 10 o'clock at night to fly out in Quito and our flight was canceled. And uh, long story short, it was the week that American um, had their pilot catastrophe and uh, we were stuck there for three more days. So I was mad. I was definitely to the point of tears because I was so tired and frustrated. Um, and they, so we were just real like, hey, we can't do anything about this. We're stuck here three more days. We're gonna make the best of it. And uh, the way it worked out is we checked in at the airport Wyndham and, and swam in the hotel pool and chilled out and just rolled with it. And that is another important lesson that they're learning how to just roll with it. And that's something even us as adults have a hard time with. Yeah. And definitely as they get older, it's easier for them. I mean, they're president of their own stuff. Um, I used to have to worry about things getting left in hotel rooms. And, and not that that doesn't occasionally happen or, you know, I definitely do a walkthrough as we leave, but, um, but that they can manage their own things. We have learned as parents that we really try to resist just staying a place one night because it's just too hard for them. It's really disruptive. So we, we make at least a goal of two nights, if not three. And that's what we did when we were, you know, traveling with them for a month this summer. Well, Stephanie, when we come back from the break, I want to hear about the I know the girls do uh, skiing. They have lots of activities in their life. It's not like they're sitting dormant, just getting on a plane and traveling someplace. So let's dig a little bit deeper when we come back as a parent, what it's like for you to, and your husband, to really be able to maintain this kind of lifestyle that you're choosing for your family. Absolutely. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. My guest today is Stephanie Carol Carson, and Stephanie and her family have been traveling. They just got back from Ecuador. We're going to find out more, so stay tuned. 
It's crisp, it's clean, it's cool, and it's here. Fall is in the air. While the brisk breeze billows through the kaleidoscope of colors cascading across the mountains, there is no better time to get out and explore the breathtaking beauty that our backyard has to offer. Adventure is the name of the game, and what better to kick off in than a symmetrical all-wheel drive Subaru to take you through whatever terrain you wish to tackle. Adventure is waiting, and the choice is yours. Discover the beauty of all-wheel drive at Prestige Subaru, 585 Tunnel Road, Nashville, or visit us online at PrestigeSubaru.com. Asheville, North Carolina is the place to be this summer, and a rooftop bar tour tops the list of things to do. Join Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours as they share the best Asheville has to offer on a three-hour, three-rooftop bar tour experience. You'll enjoy spectacular views, sample cocktails, reserve seating, city history, including transportation, and more. Daily tours happening now. To learn more, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Stephanie Carroll Carson, and Stephanie and her husband have a lot of things going on, a lot of businesses running, and all this time, they are taking their kids, and they're going traveling, and they're doing some really great things. And Stephanie, like I said earlier, I've been following you for quite some time, and just seeing the amount of energy and activity that these kids are having is amazing. And what I want to do is dig a little deeper and find out, you have businesses to run. You have, like, adulting to do how are you putting all of this together and making it happen oh we compartmentalize I mean I I left my my daytime job I I kept a day job actually in in journalism until this this April um but uh so now it's a lot easier and so you know last weekend I had a lot of events and had like four days of 20 hour days because I was running a cheese festival um but then you know Monday I was all in you know like the rest of the week so it's just kind of like ebbing and flowing and so the girls understand that there's there's going to be gaps of time that one of us might be absent for work but you know when we're all in we're all in and and right now you know we don't really have anything significant going on in our lives other than work and school so we're concentrating on our businesses more in the winter when they move on to ski racing you know i work um maybe three and a half days a week and take off with them i'm driving them up to ski practice on tuesdays and thursdays and then we're gone from friday to sunday at races or practice so, um, so our staff knows that, you know, get us now, because once the winter hits, they're on point a little bit more because we're ski bums. Well, you're, you're doing it, you're making it happen. And I want to talk about the trip to Ecuador, you mentioned, because that was something that happened just recently, you just got back and you had so many adventures in that amount of time, and we're in a pandemic. So give us an idea of how that all even unfolded for you. Well, we have a list of places we want to take them before they graduate college. And um, Galapagos was one of them. And this summer, you know, we were looking at and, you know, Ecuador was open as long as you arrived um, with with testing or vaccination. And so we knew we could get there. I will say once we got there, I felt safer there than I feel in parts of the southeast right now, just in terms of mass compliance. Um, so that was great. And, um, it was just great to be abroad again. So we were able to expose them to Spanish language, you know, spending a month there, um, 
They are not as fluent in English as I assume some places might be, including even airline employees. Um, so fortunately, I speak what I would call kitchen Spanish. Um, and so we were able to get around. The girls picked some up. Um, my husband did fairly well, although I'm better. <laughs> and uh, but Galapagos, um, we had no plans. So we we booked our tickets from, you know, to Quito from the United States, then booked our ticket uh, as we were leaving Miami from Quito to the to Galapagos to Baltra Island, where you kind of you leave on a lot of those trips. And got there and um, put our bags in a hotel for two nights, stopped at the first travel agency to start researching because we had no, no trip booked for the islands. And um, the travel agency said, if you can leave in two hours, you can have this first class boat. And it ended up being 25% of the normal cost. So we hopped on a boat for eight days within a matter of two hours. So back to your question about, you know, how do you handle kids? And they were a part of it. Um, and I will say in those two hours, none of us were our best self. I will admit to that people were getting yelled at, you know, we were yelling, but we got on the boat and then, you know, the maitre d' standing there with the cocktail and it's like, okay, we did the right thing. Um, and as we were getting on the boat, I wish visually you could see, but the, the Milky Way was visible above us because where they had to transport us to, to get on the boat, to meet up with the other travelers was super dark. There wasn't light pollution. Um, and I, I thought it was clouds and, and it was the Milky Way. It was so distinct. That is such a magical moment, and I'm sure that those girls, as you and your husband, will hold those moments and, and memories forever and really become, the, you know, they're going to become these human beings who are able to recognize the majestic uh, meaning of life and being able to see so many different cultures. And what was it like on the Galapagos? I mean, there you are at the you know, at the place where some would say evolution began. I mean, what what was going on with you as a family as you were there on on those beautiful islands? Yeah, the way I would describe it, and I don't mean to cheapen this at all, but it, it was like being in a Disney cartoon because, you know, our first day when we disembarked to the, the first island and, you know, blue-footed booby birds are looking at you and not moving. And sea lions are coming up to you like puppies. Um, and there's a whole scientific explanation as to why they're not afraid of us, because there's just never been predators. So they walk right up to you. And to have that experience with your kids was just absolutely magical. Um, and, I, you know, the other takeaway that I, it was a big aha for me is we generally are not group trip travelers. I hate bus trips. I hate any of that. We've never, they've never been on a cruise ship before. Um, and so to be in a group like that, there were 16 of us travelers. It was the perfect way to do it. And it was, it was actually as parents gave us a huge way to check out and relax because we knew the kids were safe. You know, and by the end of day one, all the other travelers on the boat had come, we hit the jackpot with fellow passengers. So first, let me say that, but they all kind of, it's not that they were having to watch our kids, they're old enough, but they, they watched out for them, they were aware of them. And so I knew that they were okay. And we could go up on the deck in the hot tub and have a cocktail. And to have that experience was was just as magical as the Galapagos. Well, it sounds like it was a, a win-win for everybody. And, and again, it was just like, we're going to do this. We're going to turn on a dime right now and make this happen. So I wanted to ask you to give us an idea of where you see these kids now as they are moving into their next stage of life as far as this, are they already starting to to 
envision themselves older and with an idea of what they uh, would like to do with their lives? I think so. It's funny, our oldest really takes to all the travel, you know, that we have uh, created a monster just in terms of her life expectations for what she might do. Our youngest really loves Asheville. Um, And so she loves to travel, but she's always the one in the family that is so ready to get home and just have a routine and normalcy. And so I'm curious to see how that will play out for her. She'll probably hole away somewhere in some mountain cottage here outside Asheville for her life, you know, because her parents were crazy dragging her all over the place. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly education wise, you know, our youngest loves biology and animals. And so we were at the Charles Darwin research center or station, um, And there are internships for high schoolers and college students. So we were both kind of talking to her about that possibility. So I hope it ignites something. I know my mother worked for Delta for 35 years as a kid. So uh, it's probably no accident that I'm living this way either, because we would hop up on a Saturday morning in Atlanta and fly to Tijuana for the day. Um, So I hope it's planting that seed for them of just expectations in life um, and what you might be able to do. And I think empathy, too. Um, you know, I have not, I've never met anybody that's traveled to not just typical places that doesn't have a sense of empathy for others. Um, and I think we need more of that. I agree. And so I want to ask you when you're back and you're not traveling, the kids are in school, right? They are. And they, they have stayed enrolled. We've never, um, homeschooled them. Even last year during the pandemic, we did take them to Colorado, but they were able to stay enrolled in Asheville city schools. Um, And we know now the ages that they're at, particularly our older daughter, we have to start playing a little bit more by the attendance rules. I understand that. Um, We'll still probably push the envelope to the limit, uh, you know, and their teachers work with us. Um, They, you know, they are straight A students. So that helps the discussion for sure. Well, I'm sure being straight A students definitely has something to do with having a broader sense of the world, a more like you said, empathic place in their hearts and being able to maybe have a little bit more focus on on the learning aspect of being in school. Well, Stephanie, what's ahead? Do you, do you guys have some idea of like our next goal? So our next uh, short-term goal is we're embarking on ski season. So we're trying to figure out where we'll ski, aside from their races, where we'll ski for vacation. Um, but next summer, we're looking at Africa with them because, you know, and it was going to be Europe, but after seeing their response to the animals and that, that experience, and it was such an ideal age, uh, you know, PS for, for to take kids to Galapagos at 11 and 13, we feel like Africa is the next thing. And, you know, we're trying to prioritize places that they won't get to if on a college trip, you know, every college student is, is going to go to London or Paris, or, you know, we're trying to get, that's low hanging fruit. We're trying to get to more challenging places. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel and sharing your stories with us. And I'd love to have you back as we go into the new year and catch up more and and really focus, too, on, uh, you know, just how how you think and plan. That's such an important part of what especially parents want to know is as we move forward in this world, being able to step out and travel and get your kids into another frame of mind is just going to be even more important than ever. And your, your family is like our role model. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Thanks for having me. I always love to talk about this. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, for being here and sharing your amazing adventure. 
I think we can all agree when we do get out and travel that we want to be more mindful and really become good stewards of our planet and support the communities we visit by leaving a smaller footprint. Well, coming up next is Clark Lovelace. He's the executive director of the Brevard Transylvania Chamber of Commerce and Tourism Development Authority to share how the power of sustainable tourism helps improve the quality of life by taking care of each other and the planet. So stay tuned. Buongiorno. This is Mark Smith, president of Private Italy Tours. I am thrilled to announce our 2022 tour calendar. Italy awaits, as she always has, with remarkable cities, countryside, history, food, and wine, and the Italian people. In spring, experience the canals of Venice, the beauty of the Veneto, and the stunning hills of Tuscany. The Umbrian Valley shimmers and the Sibyllini Mountains frame the region of the Marche in early summer. The lyrical beauty of the lake region and northern Italy combines snow-capped Alps, stunning lakes, and the best food of Italy in June. Or perhaps you would prefer the beauty of fall travel in 2022. In September, the Amalfi Coast and Sicily beckon, a combination of stunning sea, incredible food, and fascinating history are yours to experience. Puglia, the heel of Italy's boot, its cerulean sea-line coast, and the rough-hewn hillsides of Basilicata await in October. Our diverse tour experiences offer constant attention to safe travel, experiences and encounters with the Italian people, and the creation of unforgettable memories. During your stay in a gorgeous villa, you can unpack, relax, and let us take care of the details. On each tour, cooks prepare your meals, you have beautiful ensuite accommodations, and we provide safe and very comfortable transportation for our small groups of only 10 to 14 guests. Our fully refundable deposit option is available for all tours in 2022, so you can book with peace of mind. We are all excited about traveling again. Select our boutique tours for your travels to Bella Italia in 2022. Relax, enjoy, and connect with the Italian culture with Private Italy Tours, private-italy.com. Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars And let me see what spring is like On Jupiter and Mars In other words Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. Each week on Speaking of Travel, I hear from tourism professionals who inspire me when I hear about the efforts they're making to create tourism approaches that minimally impact their sense of place while bringing increased benefits into the hands of their community. As good stewards and travelers, we want to do the most good and support our communities by leaving a smaller footprint and protecting our natural and cultural resources. Well, over in Transylvania County in Western North Carolina, their tourism leaders understand the needs of the local people and want to help improve their quality of life by taking care of each other and the planet. 
Well, I'm joined now with Clark Lovelace, the Executive Director of the Brevard Transylvania Chamber of Commerce and Tourism Development Authority. Clark and his team believe in the power of sustainable tourism and have a history of taking care of their natural resources for locals and visitors. And Clark, welcome to Speaking of Travel. It's so great to have you back. Thanks, Marilyn. So wonderful to be back. Well, you know, I have been following what's going on over there in Transylvania County and Brevard for a long time because you guys really have set the bar going back quite some time to focus on what you can do to make this planet and especially your community a better place. Give us a little backstory, Clark, on how that all even unfolded for you. Sure. Well, we, of course, you know, especially if you go back, you know, we are a destination marketing organization. Our job is to market and promote Transylvania County. However, I think what what our board realized a number of years ago was our role needs to go beyond that. We don't need to just market and promote, but we need to also uh, basically go from a marketing organization to a tourism management organization. And so in 2016, we first started to hear from our public land managers that they were getting loved to death. And so we huddled up. We uh, had a conversation about what their challenges were. We were kind of looking for some some common um, uh, challenges. We're blessed with Pisgah National Forest, DuPont State Forest, gorgeous state park, and Headwaters um, State Forest as well. And what came to the surface was waterfall safety. They all said, we have people that are getting hurt, people that are getting injured at waterfalls, uh, any chance you could help. And that led us to launching uh, a waterfall safety initiative and then saying, we want to help some more. What more can we do? And then you just, you have not stopped. You've gotten involved in some really high-end organizations that have been doing this for quite some time. Give us a a little idea of how you came to being ahead of the curve with these efforts and joining forces with these organizations that are doing such great work. Sure. You know, I think it all started with that initial conversation. And I think after the success of a waterfall safety campaign that included posters with waterfall safety tips, actually a reenactment by emergency services where we had a a press day and they came in and rescued somebody from a waterfall to um, getting the land managers to participate uh, in a public service announcement. After the success of that, again, we, we said we want to do more and we created the Transylvania Always Initiative. So the goal is to be a leader in the effort to take care of Transylvania County's natural resources in order to create a safe and enjoyable user experience and ensure that these assets are here for future generations. So in doing so, that has led to numerous projects from some of our own, like um, a, uh, a Leave It Better initiative to say leave it better than you found it, or supportive projects that others are doing, um, like the relocation of the Cantrell Creek Trail, where a mountain biking trail and a creek had become one, which was devastating the aquatic life. And so, they moved a two and a half mile section away from the creek. We were one of the contributors to that and dealing with blockages in the French Broad River based on flooding and, and so many other projects that we're proud to have been a part of. But it all really started with asking the question, what can we do to help? And, and as a tourism 
uh, you know, marketing company formerly, uh, we certainly now like to think of ourselves as a tourism management company. It's one of the things that we need to do. We can't just bring people here. We have to help our destination deal with the impact of those people. Absolutely. And not just the impact of those people, but the impact of our climate changing and the way that people travel anymore and all of these elements that equate into a much, much bigger picture. And really what you're doing, Clark, what you and your team and your whole community are doing with your cleanup crews and people actually taking steps to to make it better for the whole planet is, to me, a model of what travel and tourism authorities need to look like today as far as management goes. Well, uh, thank you. I think uh, you referenced our cleanup crew program. You know, that was intended to kind of activate some people. And and so we created this program just earlier this year, in fact, where we have a, um, a toolkit. It's actually a, a Sylvan Sport Hacky Pack, um, and which is a goes down to that small hacky pack size ball, but or hacky sack size ball. But it's a full pack that has rubber gloves, bags, uh, a um, little first aid kit, uh, and uh, tokens for everyone who joins your cleanup crew. Uh, so they can come and redeem it for uh, a small gift at our um, visitor center. And for whoever collects the most bags, um, at the end of the year, they'll get $2,500 toward a green initiative. That's really quite spectacular. You give people the incentive, they and and they start to gather together and say, let's make this better. And it really builds your community in so many ways. And tell us a little bit about the Leave No Trace program, because you've been doing that for a while as well, right? Yeah, so it started a, a few years ago where we created uh, a Leave It Better campaign that was kind of based on the principles of Leave No Trace. And we we sort of wanted to craft our own message um, for folks. And, you know, don't just pack out you, you, what you packed in, but if you see something else, help, leave it better. So we have a great, uh, uh, one of our, our ads to share the initiative is we made a Sasquatch out of garbage. We actually collected it from um, the folks with our, our local landfill were kind enough. It was clean garbage. They, they collected it from the landfill, cleaned it off and gave it to us. And, and literally we, we painstakingly put on the ground all the pieces to make it. So we now call it trash squatch. And so trash squatch is, is a lesson to remind you, you know, that um, trash in our public lands should be seen about as frequently as Sasquatch himself or herself, whichever. And so uh, we have subsequently uh, now partnered with, with Leave No Trace, an incredible organization. Actually, North Carolina has started uh, a, a program called North Carolina or Outdoor NC, uh, where um, they are starting to create some opportunities. Both, uh, I'm a little proud that both have commented to us about how early we were in adopting some of these practices and for the fact that we're doing it as such a small community, I mean, Brevard is only about 8,000. Transylvania County is only about 33,000. And so we're proud of the fact that we're, we're doing a lot for a, for a small community like we are. That's really amazing. And I know that there's like over half of your county is public land. So 
to be able to share those resources with people from all over the world and to to know that you're keeping that magic and that wonder alive uh, must be extremely rewarding for you and your team and all the people there in Transylvania County. Yeah, we're lucky. Everyone who's here is choosing to be here, whether it's to live, to work, or to play. It's because it's such a special place. Well, how can we get more information, Clark? How can people get more information about what's going on over there and, and plan a visit? Sure. Uh, you know, explorebrevard.com uh, is our website. Um, also our handle kind of on social media, et cetera. We're always, we're blessed with such beautiful content here. So we always have plenty of good content. And we have a visitor center in downtown Brevard, uh, right off of Main Street. So um, uh, we're, we're pretty relaxed and friendly. So we welcome folks to reach out. Well, I am definitely heading out that way sooner than later. Fall in the mountains and especially over there in that Brevard area is just so breathtaking and special. Thank you, Clark, for all that you're doing for the county and and for the planet. I always enjoy having you on the show. Thanks, Marilyn. I I wish we had two hours. I didn't even get to talk about green destinations, which we'll do that next time. Okay, I'm going to hold you to that, Clark. We are definitely going to do a next time and get all caught up. So in the meantime, keep doing what you're doing. We really appreciate it. And and, And thank you for helping us spread the word. Absolutely. Well, thank you to Clark. And I want to, you know, just think about how much we can all do to to help our planet, to leave no trace, to think about mindfully traveling. And, you know, airports are also doing their part to commit to enhancing their customer experiences. They're investing in art and events and and local entertainment. Well, coming up next is Tina Kinsey from the Asheville Regional Airport to share some strategies on how airports can improve their customers' travel experience and manage customer service to the highest standards. So stay tuned. Fall in North Carolina's Blue Ridge Mountains is the perfect time to get out and explore. With all the natural wonders and beautiful vistas, now is the time to create your perfect vacation or staycation in the land of the sky. With the region's most popular online travel guide, not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com Travel Guide covers a nearly 100-mile radius in and around Asheville, North Carolina. With idyllic weather, beautiful scenery, and a variety of safe and memorable adventures, Western North Carolina is the place to be. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. Did you ever notice when you're in the airport how each one is obviously viewed by the local airport as a way to brand their city? I've actually purchased some really cool Asheville Merc right here at our own airport. And what that means for airport cities is there are real opportunities for local, authentic businesses that have roots right here in the area. You know, going to an airport today is like itself a destination. Of course, with everything going on, there are a lot of changes in retail and concessions. 
But airports are investing in art, events, entertainment, because they want to enhance passenger experiences. And in this environment, the journey begins even before you make it to your intended destination. Having been in hospitality marketing for so long, it seems a natural fit to bring elements of the hospitality world into the airport. Travel experiences are among the most memorable we have, but sometimes we have only a memory of airports for the wrong reasons. So what can airports learn from the hospitality industry to grow as travel begins to open up again? Well, from one marketing person to another, my guest is Tina Kinsey, Director of Marketing, PR, and Air Service Development at the Asheville Regional Airport, and she's going to help us share some strategies on how airports can improve their customers' travel experience and manage customer service to the highest standards. And Tina, thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel. Thank you. It's always great to be here, Marilyn. Well, Tina, you've been in hospitality and travel and tourism and aviation and airline industries for a long time. So you have kind of a mesh of experiences in all of these things. And like I was saying, right inside an airport is like a small city and you want to promote where you are and what your roots are. Give us an idea of what's happening now in airports, especially as we're just slowly starting to come back into the travel world. Sure. So one thing that airports are always trying to do is bring the their local culture into the airport, um, especially origination markets like Asheville. And what I mean by that is when people get on a plane in Asheville, they're usually flying, maybe connecting through another airport. That would be a connecting airport, but they're headed to a specific destination. So or they're coming here and their destination is Western North Carolina. And so, you know, we're really touching the lives of many of the people, our neighbors, people who live in the area. And we are often a first impression as a gateway for people who are coming to the region. So we try to bring in a flavor of of local, really. And airports do that in so many different ways. Um, You mentioned concessions. Often airports will try to include local products, local makers, um, you know, in their retail or food and beverage concessions in the terminal. Um, And we do that here. We have a lot of local products, you know, sold by our concessionaire. And then, you know, we try to have a flavor of art and music in our terminal because that's so much a part of Western North Carolina. And again, we, we invite the local makers and musicians and artists to partner with us in that kind of venture. You know, we're always looking for ways to help passengers feel at home and feel like they are somewhere special, not just any old airport, you know. So we do it in those ways. We have other customer service programs uh, like a pause for passengers program with therapy dogs uh, in the terminal, uh, you know, those kinds of things. Well, I think we can definitely say hospitality these days also includes health and safety, and that is an area that you have been just stellar since the very beginning. Well, for always, I can 
I always think of the Asheville Regional Airport as a clean and safe environment, but you've really had to step that up a notch. And and again, that seems to me to be a part of your customer service. Absolutely. And it should be, you know, public spaces when you have lots of people flowing in and out, you know, you should focus on health and safety and cleanliness. And, you know, we continue to do that and really make that a, a priority. In fact, airports can work towards health accreditation through our professional organizations and with really stringent guidelines about how to achieve that accreditation. And, you know, so that speaks to the, you know, the prioritization. And we're proud because we were the first North Carolina airport to achieve that accreditation when it became available. So absolutely, you're right about that. Well, let's talk a little bit about your expansion, Tina, because that's something that we had talked about a while ago when the renderings were first coming out to the public. And give us an update. What's happening with that? Because so much of what we're talking about now is definitely going to apply when your expansion is in the works. Oh, yes. So part of what we have to do as an airport is plan and plan far, far in advance um, because if you can think about having to expand an airport, that takes time and lots of diligent planning. And we have grown and grown and grown and we're continue to, continuing to grow and we're bursting at the seams. And so we're, we're almost at the end of about a two-year design phase of designing a brand new terminal for this airport. And we are hoping to break ground next summer on this this exciting project that will result in a terminal twice the size that we have now, brand new everything, concessions, gates, we'll have uh, twice as many gate areas for boarding bridges, um, you know, for aircraft. And we're, we're, you know, little down to little things like a a nice big community room. And, you know, there's just, there's a lot that we're thinking through at this time, but I'm looking forward to that groundbreaking and really sharing a lot of the details with the region. Well, we're all excited, too, because as we've talked about many times uh, together is what you were saying just now. The airport is such an integral part of this community and it touches all of us. Everybody in the entire community is affected. So Tina, tell us how we can get more information and get connected because as you start to unveil these new designs and how things are moving and get prepared for the groundbreaking, we want to be tuned in. Sure. So everything funnels through our first front door, which is our website. And that is flyavl.com. And there are many ways to connect with us there closer to breaking ground on the project, we will have some very specific links and information there about that. And we can also sign up for your monthly newsletter. Tell us how we can do that. Sure. So on our website, just uh, click on our social hub. That's a that's a little orange um, air traffic control tower icon uh, in the upper right-hand corner of the website. It will take you to the social hub and there's a, there's a sign up button Uh, right there that you just put your email in and you're signed up for our newsletter. 
Well, Tina, thank you so much for filling us in. I I have to tell you, I bought this really cool fleece jacket one time at the airport that said Asheville on it. Just very, very tasteful. I've, I never saw that product like downtown or in any other stores. It was seemed like inclusive to the Asheville Regional Airport. I love that jacket. It's so cool that you've got stuff like that going on over there. Oh yeah, we're we're big Asheville and Western North Carolina cheerleaders around here. So that's great. Well, go Asheville. All right, Tina. Well, thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel. I'll look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you, Marilyn. Well, thanks, Tina, and thanks to Stephanie and Clark for being on Speaking of Travel this week. The other day, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Bangkok. She hasn't been able to get away for a good long time now, and she was telling me how excited she is because for the first time in almost two years, she's going to go visit some of her family and friends in another country. We're all excited about traveling again and seeing parts of the world we've never been to or visiting places we love so much. But really, it all comes down to the people we miss so much. Whether you were out there backpacking across Chile or walking the Camino, we were meeting each other on the way. Travelers are like a tribe. Sometimes we end up meeting each other over and over again. Sometimes it's just that one particular place where we meet that one amazing person who becomes our friend forever. Maybe it's time to get out there again and explore. Carefully, of course, because there are rules and regulations, but oh my goodness, it's so worth it. So as we set out into this new world and begin having adventures again, be gracious and be patient. And remember, if there's any takeaway from this pandemic time, it's life is short, so don't postpone joy. 